I was thinking this week how we as people, everything we do, every choice we make reflects what it is ultimately that we value. I can say that Jesus is my greatest value in life. I can say that my relationship with the Lord is what matters most to me. But all I need to do is to look at my actions and to look at what I do and how I spend my time and how I spend my money. And ultimately, that will say and determine and proclaim what it is that I really value. What do you value? Look at your time. How do you use your time? Look at how you spend your money. How do you spend your money? Look at the things that you're most passionate about. Those are the things that ultimately you really do value the most. As a church, we have determined that there are seven values that we want to hold close to ourselves. We want to hold dear to ourselves. We see here, as we'll be talking this morning, rooted in scripture, and the acronym, as you see on the far left, renewed. That is part of our mission as a church. We want to be renewed, made new again in the image of Jesus and to live the life that Jesus has created us to live. A life of significance, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of impact. Now, doesn't that sound exciting? And so we talk about being rooted in Scripture. We're going to focus on that this morning. We talk about earnestly seeking God. What does it look like to earnestly seek after the heart of God? We're going to talk about that next week. Natural outreach. We're going to talk about engaging relationships, human relationships. This is all core values of the Scriptures. We're going to talk about wholehearted generosity. We're going to talk about being equipped for ministry. And we're going to talk about diverse unity. These are the seven values that are core to us as a church. And what we have been doing as a staff is looking at all the things that we do as a church. And we're asking this question. Does what we do and where we spend our money as a church reflect what it is we claim to value? And as Christian believers, we need to ask that question, each one of us for ourselves. Does our life choices, does our life choices reflect what it is that we value? You'll see on the screen last week, if you weren't with us, we want to encourage you to watch that sermon online because it really lays the foundation. But we invited you last week to watch, I mean, to take what we call a markers of spiritual maturity. It's an online assessment. You don't need to write that down. It's, it's in your bulletin this morning. We've had well over 100 people take that assessment so far. It will give you results on kind of where you stand in six of our seven values, all but diverse unity. We found an assessment that takes all the rest of them. And so we want to give you an opportunity to kind of lay your life against these six of these seven values and say, here's where I need to grow. Here's where I need to get stronger. But we don't leave it there. What you'll receive are all sorts of opportunities to go deeper in those areas where you're strong and to grow in those areas where you're relatively weak and you need 
to get stronger. I know for me, I did this last, last Monday, and, and I got a list, and I got my list, and I, I've begun to grow in those areas and to take steps to grow in those areas where, I, where I'm relatively weaker. We all are. We'll be areas where we're strong, where there'll be areas where we need to grow. And we want to encourage you to be doing that. And it's worth it, friends. Because as we grow, we grow closer to the heart of God. As we grow, we get a deeper sense of our purpose in this world. In each of these values, we're going to look first at Jesus. And then we're going to talk about how we can grow in that particular value. And then we're going to talk about how it can impact our witness in the world. Well, I was thinking about the word rooted. I love that word because I, I think about a tree that has deep, deep roots. Last year, we took out a couple of uh, queen palms that were destroying our landscaping. And I, I say we. I didn't do it. They were about 30 feet high, and I wasn't doing that. I tried to pull them out of the ground, and um, that wasn't going to happen. Why? Because the root structure was so deep, those things were dug deep into the ground. In fact, I they took all three out, they ground the stumps, and I planted something there, I planted a couple things there, nothing made it. Why? Because that root structure is still there. Now I have little things popping up that are beginning to look like queen palms. Very small, but they look a lot like a queen palm to me. Let me share with you some words, some synonyms for the word rooted. And I want you to think about this image of being rooted in scripture. And these rooted in the Bible. Listen to some of the different different synonyms because these words might mean more for you. These words might be more meaning for you, meaningful for you than rooted. Entrenched. Being entrenched in scripture. Established. Being established in the Bible, firmly fixed, grounded, based on. These are all synonyms for the word rooted, deep, going deep in the word of God. Friends, I hope that if you have been here for any length of time, that you understand that this is a very profound, important value for us as a church. We want everything we do as a church to be grounded, rooted in Scripture. And we want everybody in our church to be growing in their understanding of the Word of God. Well, as we begin, we begin this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at Jesus. Now, what I did was, and I, I've never done this before, I thought it would be interesting to just read through the Gospel of Luke and to make a notation about all the different ways that Jesus used the Bible. Well, I made it to chapter 6, and I had six points, and which is way too many points for me to share with you this morning. So I want to just share three of the points with you of how Jesus used the Bible, how he used the scriptures himself. Here's the first one. Jesus affirmed his purpose before the people by using the scriptures. In fact, what we read in this passage in Luke, in chapter 4, what you, we see in this passage is that it was the regular custom of Jesus to go to what we would call church today, to go to the synagogue. 
It was his regular practice. It's the way that Jesus lived. It was a habit that he had formed in his life. And listen to what happened. He went to Nazareth, which is where he grew up for most of his years, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday, he went up into the synagogue. It's kind of like it's our Sunday. He went up to the synagogue, the place of worship, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So they hand him, they didn't have the Bible the way we do, and just kind of all nicely bound. What they had, what they had for themselves was scrolls of the different books of the Old Testament. They hand Jesus the scroll of the book of Isaiah. He unrolls it, and he reads a prophecy of the coming Messiah. He is proclaiming to the people, this is who I am. This is my mission. This is my purpose. What does he say? The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now we think, read that as all physical healings. He's not just talking about that. He did heal the blind. He did bring life to people who were oppressed. But he's talking about spiritual oppression and spiritual blindness as well. He has come to bring truth to us. He has come to open our eyes that we may see what is real, what is true, so that we may live with clear purpose in our lives as well. Jesus is proclaiming, I am the Messiah. He is saying, this is my purpose. This is why the Father has sent me. And this is what Jesus fulfilled in his life. Now, friends, when I go to the Bible... I understand my mission. I understand my purpose in this life. I understand the life, better understand the life that God has called me to live. And for you, the same is true. The Bible teaches us how to love God. The Bible teaches us how to love one another. The Bible gives us wisdom as we live in this world, as we make decisions in this life. Friends, the Bible gives us our purpose. We also see, second of all, as I read through in chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, what we see in, in the first part of Luke chapter 4 is that Jesus, after being baptized, was led, actually driven by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. And he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And at this point, when the body of Jesus was weakened. Satan came to tempt him. To tempt him to want the things that the world has. To say no to the Father, God the Father. And to say yes to Satan. Three times Jesus is tempted. He's tempted to live a life that God the Father had not called him to live. And how did Jesus respond? Every time he responds from the Bible. He quotes the scriptures. Listen to what he says. The devil said to, to him, to Jesus, if you are the son of God, now he's appealing to his pride, if you are the son of God and to his hunger, 
tell this stone to become bread. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, do it. But Jesus answered, it is written. He's quoting the, the Bible. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. There's more than just filling our stomachs. There's more, there are things that are more important than living for myself in this world. There are things that are more important than fulfilling my physical desires. My food, my food is to do the will of the one who has sent me. Friends, the most powerful way that we can stand against temptation, the most powerful way that we can stand against things that would draw us away from God is to quote the Bible. What I do in those areas where I am susceptible to temptation, we all have them, all of us have them. I memorize scripture that speaks to that very issue. And when I am being drawn to something away from God, to something that God does not want for me, I quote that passage. And sometimes I will say it aloud. Because I need to not only say it in my heart, I want to hear it with my ears. This indeed is what I believe. I want to live the God who is not only created me, but has called me his son. And has called me to be his disciple. Has called me his beloved one. Has called me his friend. And when I'm reminded of who I am, I am strengthened by the word of God to stand against those temptations in my life. I read on and I came across this passage. Again, I found six different examples. But here's one. Jesus based his beliefs he, he based what he believed on the scriptures, on the word of God. Jesus said, I, I, I came to fulfill the word of God, not to change it. And indeed, we see this. Now, this is a fascinating passage. Jesus is going to get in trouble with the religious leaders. I want you to hear what happens. One Sabbath, which is their, <clears throat> the religious day, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some of the heads of the grain of grain and rub them in their hands and they were eating the kernels some of the pharisees asked why are you doing what is unlawful on the sabbath why are you doing that you're not supposed to do that and they're attacking jesus they're attacking his disciples and listen to the response of jesus have you never read what david did when he and his companions were hungry have you never read? Where would they have read that? In the Bible, right? They would have read that in the Old Testament. Have you never read this? And Jesus responds to them with the word of God. He says, he says, he entered the house, David entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawfully only for priests to eat. And David wasn't a priest uh, legally. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, speaking of himself, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Friends, you read the six, just read through the first six chapters and you will see at least, at least, I identified six, but there may be more, at least six different ways that Jesus used the Bible. Why is this important? 
Well, we talked about the fact that God is in the process, as we allow, of forming us into the image of Jesus. He wants us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, making us more like Jesus, more loving, more joyful, making us people of peace, making us people who have a deeper sense, a profound sense of faithfulness in our lives, gentleness, kindness, just like Jesus. He's making us and molding us and shaping us into the image of Jesus. But we not only want to live as Jesus lived and act as Jesus acted, but to get there, we need to practice the disciplines that Jesus practiced. He knew the scriptures. He knew the word of God. If we aren't to become the people that God intended us to be when he created us, then we need to know the word of God. We need to know the Bible. It empowers us. It gives us a vision of what God, how God wants us to live. It not only instructs us on how we should live on the outside, but it transforms our hearts and our minds in such a way that we begin to live as we were created to live. It's profound. It's powerful. It's amazing. So now, I want to address this question. How do we do that? How can we, and here's the question, is your life rooted in the scriptures after the example of Jesus? But here, how do we engage the Bible? Now, for some of you, this is going to sound kind of uh, remedial for you. For some people, it'll be the first time you've heard this. But I want you, everybody, no matter where you are, a brand new believer, whether you're just somebody who's open to Christianity, whether you're somebody who's been a Christian for 70 years of your life, I want you to think deeply about these next three points. Here's the first one. Read the Bible daily. If you read the Gospels, what you see, it was the regular practice of Jesus to read the Scriptures, even as a child. If you're a child in here today, Jesus was reading the Scriptures as a child. He was memorizing the Scriptures as a child. And we need to, we need to be learning the Word of God. Read the Bible daily. I love this passage from Deuteronomy 17. Because God is giving instruction to the kings who will serve his people in Israel. So you think that the instructions will be, well, you've got to be a powerful warrior. You've got to have, uh, you've got to be really smart. You've got to love your people. You've got you to lead them clearly. You know, all these things that we would talk about uh, that a king should do. I've been really interested as um, we have now a king of England. Oh, I don't know. What's his name? Oh, Charles, thank you. So Prince Charles is now king. You can see I, I'd be really good in jeopardy. I'll take uh, the uh, 500 for uh, Eng English monarchy. Wow. So here's what happens. He comes to the throne, and I've been watching. I mean, you can't help but watch it. All the stuff that they're talking about with King Charles and what it means to be a king and all of this. You know what I've not heard? I've not heard what this passage says right here. That he is to read the scriptures each and every day. To have wisdom. To understand what, how God wants him to lead the people and how God wants the people to live. I've not heard that. And yet that's right here in Deuteronomy. Listen to what it says. 
Speaking of the king, speaking of the Bible, it, the Bible, is to be with him, the king. And he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. What does it take to be a great king? It's to know the heart of God as he's revealed it in his word. What does it mean to be a great leader in this world? It's to know the word of God and to follow it and to revere it. Friends, you know what I found? The more that I read the word of God, the more I revere the word of God. The more that I love the word of God. The more passionate I am about the word of God. And I need to read the word of God daily. Daily. Now, I was thinking about this. And here's what I think happens to a lot of us. We spend a lot of time, a lot of time, feeding our minds and our hearts with other things. Podcasts, social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We spend a lot of time filling our hearts and our minds with what we are watching on television. Some of, yous are, some of you are news junkies. You watch hours of Fox or CNN or MSNBC and you just watch hours of this stuff. And we know more about politics and we know more about, about what is going on in our current culture than we know the word of God. Friends, that is not a diet that will lead to good things in your life. Now, yes, we need to be aware of things, but if we're spending far more time filling our minds and our hearts with things that are coming from the world, from our computers, from our, our iPhones, from television, from radio, whatever it is that is your medium, if we're spending far more time feeding our hearts and our minds with that stuff, then we are living on a diet that is killing us spiritually. I want to show you this. I went to the store yesterday because, of course, I have none of this in my, in my house. But I have a, a, a really fun diet here of extra toasty cheese crisp. Oh, no, Cheez-Its. Sorry. Now, I do love honey-made graham crackers. And, of course, and I'm a little embarrassed it's so low, my peanut butter M&M's. I bought a bag of donuts, and I do not want to leave with a bag of donuts this morning. So kids, please come up after the service. I have a bag of potato chips. Now, this is all yummy food. I love all this food. But if I tried to live on this kind of a diet, what would happen to my body? My blood pressure would go up. My sugar count would go up. It would destroy my body. It would ultimately kill me. I can't, my body cannot survive on a consistent diet like this. Now, I'm not saying you can't have this stuff for fun every once in a while. Apparently once a month. You get all you can eat in the five seconds. You can, you can you, but you can't live on it. Your body will die. So I have on this, Dad, you'll love this, flax seed. I got my flax seed. 
I got my broccoli. Kids, I know you'll be running up here after the service. My honey crisp apple. My, uh, I love honey crisp. My blueberries. I've got my spinach. Friends, this doesn't just happen. I've got my um, avocado. I was going to say artichoke, but I knew it wasn't an artichoke. <laughs> this is my point. My body can't survive on a healthy way, a diet of this. I need a healthy diet of this. You cannot survive spiritually on a diet of social media, of television, of radio, of whatever it is you receive your, your information. You cannot survive spiritually if that's your primary diet. We need to have a primary diet of the Word of God, where we are reading the Scriptures daily. And, and not just, oh, I'll read a, uh, read a chapter a day. I'm talking about many times during the day going back to the Word of God and holding His Word in your heart. Here's a second thing that I want you to see. And that is, oh, here's a reading plan. We have a reading plan for you. Again, you don't, this is in your bulletin. So it, this information's in your bulletin. If you're not sure where to start reading, we have a 50-day reading plan for you that you can find on our website. And you go to our website, you can, you can begin to read the scriptures that will give you the, God's story from the scriptures. If you're new to reading the Bible, this would be a great way to start. Here's a second thing that I want you to see, and that is memorizing portions of the Bible. Lorraine, that was so beautiful this morning. How powerful to have the Word of God in your heart in that way. Listen to what it says in Psalm 1 and 2. Blessed, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Friends, meditation is not just some Eastern religion. I've found some Christians that, oh, they hear meditate and they get nervous. No, that, it's a biblical word. Simply means, it simply means this, focused thinking. How many of you have ever worried? Anybody? That's meditation. That's what it is. It's meditating on a fearful thought. What Lorraine did was to replace that fear, because she shared with me this morning, with biblical truth, which brought strength and courage and hope for the future. Friends, what happens when we meditate on the Word of God, or memorize the Word of God, we are meditating on the Word of God. And the word meditate means to ruminate. It means to take something in and to continue to take it in over and over again until we get every bit of nourishment from what it is that we are taking in. It means when I memorize a scripture, I am mining that scripture. Every bit of nutrients that that passage has for me is being absorbed in me spiritually and emotionally. And it changes the way I think. It changes the way I feel. It changes the way I live. It transforms me. And there's incredible power, incredible power in that. 
I want to encourage you. We've got on our website, and you see it in your bulletin this morning, we've got a plan to help you to begin to memorize scripture. You know what's interesting to me? We always have, every church I've been in has had Bible memory programs for kids. As if we as adults don't need it anymore. We desperately need to be memorizing the word of God. So that it's planted in our hearts and our minds. And I have found that at just the right time, God brings that scripture to me. Because it's a part of who I am. I have absorbed it. I've received it. It's part of who I am. And now by the Holy Spirit, I'm reminded of that truth. And the Holy Spirit helps me to apply that truth to the circumstance that I'm in in that moment. That is the power of memorizing the word of God. We have a program for you. To begin memorizing the word of God. That you may engage in the scriptures. And then apply the word of God. The purpose of the Bible is not just to make you smarter. The purpose of the Bible isn't, it's to make you more wise. Wisdom is different than intellectually smart. Wisdom is knowing what to do in every situation. Being being intellectually smart means you might know lots of the people in the Bible and be able to talk about different nuances of the Bible, but it doesn't mean it's changing your life. Listen to what James says. Do not merely listen to, uh, do not merely listen to the word. Because if you're just listening to the word, you're deceiving yourselves. Do what it says. This is life transformation. It's doing what the Bible is asking us and commanding us to do. My life begins to change. And listen to what it says here in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says all of scripture, all of the Bible is God breathed. God has breathed his breath into his word. It's alive. It's not dead. It's not a history book. It's not a science book. It is the word of God. It is alive. And by the Holy Spirit, God takes that word. And I'm telling you, I can read the same passage a hundred times over my life. And every time, by the Holy Spirit, I'm seeing its relevance to my life in that moment. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting it. Training in righteousness. What is righteousness? It's living the way God created me to live. So that the servant of God, you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's the power and the beauty of what God has given to us. Now, you might be asking, I'm just not good at applying the word. That's why I give you space pets. Remember space pets? I use this all the time. Space Pets is, asks these questions with this acronym. I love acronyms. Space Pets. Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an attitude to change? Is there a command to obey? And so on and so forth. And as I'm reading, I've got that little card there, and I'm looking at that card, and you see it in your your bulletin this morning, and I'm looking at that card, and I'm thinking, okay, is there a sin to confess as I read this passage? Is there a promise to claim that, I, that will empower me and strengthen me for the day that God has for me? Is there an attitude that I need to change? And i got to tell you, God is always transforming my attitudes. Is there a command to obey? Is there an example to follow? Is there a prayer to pray? And so on and so forth. And if you, as you use space pets 
as a way to help you apply the Bible, you'll begin to apply the Bible in ways you never have before. And you'll see the power of the living word. Finally, and the question is, are you engaging the Bible? Finally, engaging the Bible will strengthen your impact. The impact you will make in your life for eternity. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, you are, you are the light of the world. I'm sorry, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill could not be hidden. How do I live a life that is salty and light? How do I do that? I do that by reading the word, by engaging in the Bible. I do that by being rooted in scripture. I do that by meditating and memorizing scripture. I do that by living out what scripture calls me to do and to be. And so I learn the word of God and it transforms me. And the more that I am changed, the saltier I become and the more light I become. Now, some of you have said about me that I'm very salty. I always take that as a compliment. Friends, this is how God wants us to live. And I'll conclude with this. Engaging the Bible provides a powerful message of hope and life. Sometimes I think as Christians that we forget just how powerful the gospel, the good news of Jesus is. I think sometimes we forget that this word, this precious book, provides an incredible invitation to people to come and follow Jesus with us. I just wrote down some things that are true that the Bible teach me about who God is. And I read through this and, I, and I'm reminded of these incredible truths about who I am, about who God is, about the why the world is the way it is. And it's these powerful truths that transform me. Listen to this. The Bible says that you are loved. Friends, you know what? Our world, and you keep hearing about this, and we keep reading about this, our world is really screwed up. Our country is really screwed up. The solution is not politics. The solution is Jesus Christ. And we have got to, we have got to remind people of this reality. We have got to invite people to come to Jesus. We have got to let them know of their need for Jesus. We have got to let them know of the God who loves them more than they love themselves. What people are looking for who are lost in darkness, they are looking for light. We have the light. We are to reflect the light. Listen to what it says. It says that we are loved. It says that God is near. It says that we have purpose and meaning. It says that we are part of a family. It says that we can be forgiven. It says that God wants to lead your life. It says that you can have joy, peace, and goodness in life. It says that God is preparing a forever place for you. Who doesn't want that for their life? Everybody wants that for their life. 
but their understanding of Christianity is often tainted by the way it's presented to them by the world and by the church. There is hope, there is life in the message that we bring. We need to bring this message, and this message is formed into our hearts and minds as we read the scriptures and as we reflect the knowledge of the God that we worship. That's the message that we have. That's the hope for the world. Friends, I'm going to invite you to pray with me now. And we're going to have uh, some moments of reflection. You'll hear the music behind us. Here's what we're going to do. I want to invite you, and uh, for most of us, I think it's best if we close our eyes so we're not distracted by other things. But you might be a person that just focuses better with your eyes open. Um, whatever it is, whatever helps you to listen and to hear, what we're going to do in these next couple moments is I'm just going to read to you what the Bible says about itself. And I want to invite you, as you hear these words from Psalm 119, I want you just to receive them into your heart. Let God speak to you this morning. What does he want to say to you? Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word now, I pray, Lord, that you would speak your truth into the hearts of each and every person who is here. I pray that we would hear your voice in Psalm 119. How could a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one who rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not, I will not neglect your word. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I might meditate on your decrees. Oh God, deepen our love and our passion for your word. In the name of Jesus, amen.